It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. The show is on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. You can call into the show with a voicemail, 405-362-7128, or email the show, Thunderpod at gmail.com. If that's not enough ways to get involved, with this show, you can also leave a five-star iTunes review with a question, and I'll read it on the air. I want to get you guys involved with this show. This show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals Game 1. We're also going to talk to the talk about the NBA Draft Prospects who talked to us uh, yesterday and Doc Rivers being the frontrunner for the 76ers job, plus... Jason Kidd as the new Thunderhead coach, but we first start with the NBA Finals, and my question after Game 1 is, are the Finals over? Was Game 1 the beginning and the end of the NBA Finals? My final prediction uh, heading into the series was the Lakers in 7, and that the series would not finish quicker than 6 games. After Game 1, it certainly does not look like I'll be right on that prediction, because the Lakers not only earned a blowout victory in Game 1, but Drogic and Bam are both doubtful for Game 2, and Drogic seems like he's going to miss the rest of the postseason. Bam, unsure right now, but he is doubtful for Game 2, which you would presume gives the Lakers an easy 2-0 lead in this series. And that's just really really a tough break for Drogic because uh, Goran Drogic has played his best basketball in the bubble. I mean, seriously, it's been his very, very best basketball. And we mention a lot of time on this podcast about how you know Pat Riley almost had Gallo in that Sam Presti, we give him credit for holding this team together, even though he almost traded Gallinari to the Miami Heat. The Heat almost traded Dragic to the to the Dallas Mavericks in the offseason with Kelly Olynyk to Dallas Mavericks. And now he is their leading scorer in the postseason, and he's played a huge role for them in the Disney World bubble. So it's amazing like the moves that weren't made but could have had a huge impact on how this season unfolded. So it is just really tough to see Drogic go out and miss the rest of this postseason because he has been playing his best brand of basketball to date. And Bam, same thing. We've witnessed him become a rising star 
inside the bubble. A, a, an all-star type player inside the bubble. He has a historic block on Jason Tatum inside the bubble. He has been phenomenal. And for him to have a neck injury now that will likely hold him out of at least game two is just devastating. I mean, this team, this Heat team, has played a beautiful brand of basketball You know, this whole season, but specifically inside the bubble. It has been awesome to watch them play. And I, I dislike the Heat, to be totally transparent with you. I don't like that organization uh, just due to uh, the 2006 finals and, the, uh, of course, the 2012 finals. But the Mavericks is getting back in 2011. Nonetheless, I just don't like the Heat team, but I like this iteration of the Heat. I really do like this year's Heat team. Uh, but it's just a shame that we could have had a very good NBA Finals, a very nice uh, setup for the NBA Finals. And now, due to injury, it looks like these games from here on out will not be that competitive. But you never know. Things can things can change on a dime in the NBA. But still, no matter how this series ends, you have to give a huge hat tip to everyone involved in making this Disney World bubble go. And I talked to Keith Smith before it started, who really had this brainchild of an idea to put the NBA in a Disney World bubble for Yahoo Sports. And I talked to him on this podcast about all what, what went into making that process happen. You can go back and find that show back in May. But hats off to Chris Paul and Adam Silver. And Silver gives a huge shout out to Chris Paul, as well as Kyle Lowry and Dwight Powell, two other players who were involved within that player association to get this thing off the ground. Just, it's amazing that it happened. It's also amazing that it worked and that everyone, for the most part, I mean, outside of Daniel House, followed every single protocol and took this extremely seriously. And those who didn't take it seriously were promptly removed from the premises and luckily did not cause a big stir uh, or, or cause an outbreak. And they've kept the virus out. They've done all that they could do uh, to this point. And they've only got a couple more days left. I mean, what, a week left that this series goes to seven? Uh, and then they've completed the bubble and made the bubble the safest place on earth and got through it without the headache that you're seeing in the NFL right now the headache that you've seen in baseball uh, this season. They got through it, and they put themselves in the bubble and did the right things. So credit to all of them for getting this off the ground and then still continuing on the bubble and playing good basketball and having their message out there uh, and they're in a platform to put their message on there. You know, the boycotts, they got through that as well. Just an amazing time in the bubble. And there's a good video on the Ringer's uh, YouTube page right now from Jason Concepcion, who made a parody song about, uh, you know, from We Didn't Start the Fire only to uh, It's Time for the NBA Finals. And just going, listen to that song where he lays out all that's happened in this stretch here since July. It's, it's incredible how much got jam-packed into this bubble. And we will have to unpack what all happened inside the bubble uh, in a future episode because it's just incredible what all has happened in just a very short amount of time. But still... These, these players, these coaches, the owners, Adam Silver, they all deserve a, a ton of credit for the sacrifices that they made to make this happen uh, and to actually uh, put forth the effort to make this work. And I've been truly blessed and privileged to be a part, even a little part, of the bubble with the Zoom media availabilities and just hosting the show every day and getting to be involved as a media member around the bubble has just been so awesome. Uh, and it's worked. Hats off to them. And on that point, Adam Silver did say yesterday that he does not necessarily think that a that a vaccine has to come about. He does not think that you have to have a vaccine to have fans in the stands at NBA games and have fans in the arena. Now, you would imagine that that means that there would be a reduced number. I mean, you're not going to sell out Chesapeake Energy Arena without a vaccine, I don't think. But we'll see how that goes. But why is that important? It's important because what's really been the biggest deciding factor of when to start next season, it's not really been about player safety or players getting enough time off. Cause you know, at one point 
they were comfortable, the NBA was, putting out a schedule in which to start on December 1st. Remember, that was the first big rumor floating around of, okay, the finals is going to end on October 12th. We're going to have the draft on October 14th. We're going to have free agency on October whatever 16th. And then we're going to go to trading camp in November and start the season on December 1st. And then it got pushed back to Christmas. And now it's all the way back to like mid-late January. And why is it a big deal that they are admitting, look, we might not have a vaccine, but we still might let fans into the stadium. It's a big deal because that's what's been the leading factor in when to start next season. The reason they keep pushing it back, the reason they keep delaying it further and further is because the more they wait, the longer they wait, the better chance that they view as a league. Look, if we just keep waiting, we can eventually have fans back. And what does fans do? Fans buy tickets, fans buy concessions, and fans generate more money than playing in front of no fans. So all of that to say, if the league feels comfortable going forward with fans in the stands, Without a vaccine, that could get you basketball back quicker. In my opinion, that, that could get you basketball back quicker because that's the big holdup is delaying this process to get those fans back that we can recruit some money and earn some more money than just relying on TV contracts. So keep an eye on that. We're still not sure when this next season will start. We probably will not get that answer until the new CBA is signed, which you can assume will be signed you know, November something, November 10th or something, right before the NBA draft on November 18th. But we'll see how that all unfolds, and we'll cover it on this podcast, the only Thunder podcast that happens every single day. And so Wednesday, I did get another chance to catch up with some NBA draft prospects. We talked to Therese Halliburton. We talked to Devon Dotson. We talked to Desmond Bain. We talked to Theo uh, Maldon. And we've also talked to, and bear with me on this one, Denny Avicii. And I will let you know what all they said because you're going to want to find out what one player said about your city coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at DoorDash. You have counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. While their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. DoorDash is easy to order. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left outside your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities operating in a safe manner. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees of your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Do not forget, LOCKEDONNBA is your promo code for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And so I want to dive into these prospects we got to talk to yesterday. Again, Therese Halliburton, Devon Dotson, Denny 
Theo Maldon and Desmond Bain. And so let's start with Therese Halliburton. He let off the media availability yesterday, and he does not like the comparison to Shea. Over and over again in this interview, he kept saying he's a basketball player, he's versatile, he's only a basketball player, he's not view himself as a shooting guard or a point guard, he's just a basketball player. And I asked him, so would you compare yourself to Shea Gilgis-Alexander? And he said that no, he thinks that the comparison there would be that they're both really tall guards. He has seen that comparison from other people, most notably Kevin O'Connor. But he personally does not agree with that comparison. He says that he thinks it ends at they're both tall guards. But he did say that he loves Shea's game. He loves what Shea brings to the table from a basketball sense. He just views himself in a different mold than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then he called this draft class, the analysis around this draft class, that it's not a good draft class. It's a weak draft class. And Alex Kennedy has asked this question to every every single prospect about the narrative around this draft class. And, you know, what do you expect the players to say? And, and Therese Halliburton went a step further and just called it lazy. He said, if you're calling this draft class weak and you're calling this draft class a bad draft class, it's simply a lazy narrative to run with. And I agree with him. I really do. Because I think his point is, there is no poster boy, there is no guy on a silver platter like Zion, like Trey Young, who from the moment they stepped foot on campus, you knew, okay, that's that's your top three pick right there. I mean, and that's one of your top three guys, so let's just hype up this draft class around the superstar. There isn't one of those prospects necessarily, but there are still talented prospects. And I've said that since May, of that this draft class, yes, does not have a Zion, a Luka, a Trey Young, a John Morant, but it does have a ton of starting caliber players and a ton of role players in the NBA. And you need those to fill out your roster to win. And, you know, we'll talk about this tomorrow whenever I start doing a big board and start kind of outlining exactly what I'm trying to say and detailing which prospects I have in which tier. But the tier list of guys I could legitimately see having a long NBA career, like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years in the NBA is extremely, extremely large. And, and it's even bigger than last year's draft class that I just look at and say, that could be a 10-year vet. Now, last year's class had a lot more that could be a superstar than this class does, but this year's class has a ton, and really I've been studying the draft in depth for about three years. And really, this is the this is the most draft class that I've studied where I look at it and says there's a lot of NBA talent here that could be sustainable in the NBA game. Now, again, is that superstar? No. But you still need those role players to win championships. The peripheral players really do make a difference. I mean, look at the teams that Oklahoma City has built where you're just screaming like if this team had more shooting or if this team had more this, uh, just a, a minute skill set, not a superstar. I mean, whenever the team had Kevin Durant and, and, and Russell Westbrook, no one really cared about adding a superstar. They just wanted more shooting. They just wanted more this or that or just minor things here and there. And that's what this draft class does. They bring you a lot of complimentary pieces that can help you in your in your eventual championship journey. And I agree with with Therese Halliburton. I think that if you're just if you're just blanketly calling this this draft class weak uh, or bad, it is being lazy. Just because I don't view a single player in this draft class as a for sure franchise changer. There's about two or three guys I look at and say that they could. I don't view anyone as a for sure he's going to change your franchise. But just because you don't have that does not mean that this is a weak draft class or a bad draft class. It's weak for one team, and that team is. The Minnesota Timberwolves. It's weak for whoever has the top overall pick. It's not weak for anyone else. This is a rare draft class in which there is no high school players. And you still look at this and say, you could draft 60 guys 
who could be NBA caliber players. Of course, they will not all pan out, but you will feel good about all 60 guys selected in this draft, I think. I mean, I just am really high on this draft class in terms of glue guys, role players, even starting caliber players in this year's class. So we move on to Devon Dotson, and a lot of his interview was just about college, and, and I was guilty of it too. I asked him a, a ton of questions about KU uh, just selfishly and about Bill Self and, and what all he went through. One of those questions I asked him was about his adjustment from high school to college because Devon, Devon Dotson was talking all about how you know Bill Self loves his point guards, he loves his guards, and he expects a lot of them. And, and I mentioned to him, look, I mean, that's true. That is very accurate. And you played 34 minutes in your first ever game at Kansas as a point guard and controlling his offense. How quickly and when did that adjustment click for you from high school to college? And he told me it took about five to six games for him to adjust to college life. And he says that the adjustment to the NBA will be even quicker than that because he just picks up on things so well and he's always adapted situations very early and very quickly. So that's something to note that Dotson believes he can he can transition into the NBA game very effectively. And that's been a big question mark about Dotson is how does his game transition to the NBA? He has worked on his jump shot a lot this past quarantine, summer, whatever you want to call it. He's worked on his jump shot. And he also told me he will meet with the Thunder. The Thunder is on the schedule for him. And I don't know what, when that day is. He just told me that the Thunder were on the schedule. Theo told me exactly when the, when the meeting was, but Devon Dotson just said they're on the schedule. So we'll see when that goes down. But you can also know that the Thunder will talk to him eventually. And so does that mean a whole lot? No, I mean, interviewing prospects does not mean a ton, but you can at least get a gauge of, of what the Thunder are trying to do. But he has he will talk to the Thunder, and he does view his skill set as something that will transition to the NBA. He is a guard that relies on getting to the rim, and I'm not sure if that size will play at the NBA level, but he's very competitive. He gives a ton of effort. He cares about the defensive end of the floor. If any small guard that wants to get crafty around the rim can make that transition and make that leap to the NBA, especially as we shift towards small ball, I think it's Devon Dotson. And I would like the Thunder to draft him, but I'm just unsure if he's going to be a first-round talent in this year's class. I mean, I think that you're looking at pick 28, 29, 30 if he's in the first round, and then early second round, the same way that I looked at Devontae Graham as someone who's going to go in the second round. And we've seen what Devontae Graham has been able to do at in, in Charlotte with the Hornets. So, It'll be interesting to follow Dotson's career path and, and, and Dotson's draft journey, but he was great with the media. Again, most of the questions were about Kansas and about his journey to this point, but he did tell me about the Thunder and that he's excited to meet with the Thunder uh, eventually coming up on the schedule. And then you are not going to want to miss what Desmond Bain said about your city. What he said about Oklahoma City while he was telling me it had me dropping my jaw to the floor. This is something I've never heard before from an NBA draft prospect, and you're going to want to hear it yourself. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a fantastic website. They're a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably could not work your email properly. You had dial-up internet every time someone would call you. The internet would shut off. You didn't know what you were doing with the internet. But you could have been going to RockAuto.com and buying all the parts your car would ever need. There's no point to go to a chain auto parts store or go to a dealership because they're going to order that part for you and then upcharge you for that part. Skip the upcharge, go to rockauto.com. And my favorite part about rockauto.com is their website. Not only is it easy to navigate, but I also love it because I know nothing about cars. And that's that might sound weird to you. Why do I love an auto part website without knowing anything about cars? But it's because I do not have to know anything about cars when I go to rockauto.com. When I go to rockauto.com, I can put my make, my model, my year into the database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my car because without that, I would not know 
what car part would fit where in my vehicle. And I'd waste a ton of money on parts that would not work in my vehicle. So they cut all that out with their streamlined and easy to use website. That's rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box and they'll know what to do from there. rockauto.com, amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I wanted to dive into what Desmond Bain told me during these interviews. I asked him, have you spoken with Oklahoma City? And then how do you see yourself fitting in in Oklahoma City? And he says that he loves Oklahoma City and then clarified he loves Oklahoma City as a city. He enjoys the city of Oklahoma City. And as someone who has grown up in Oklahoma my entire life, it is amazing to me that I am now hearing people say they love Oklahoma City as a city. And then he mentions he loves the Thunder basketball culture. He loves this organization as well. He's talking to 26 teams. Of course, one of them is the Thunder. But the fact that he loves Oklahoma City has to make you feel good about where we live and proud of of what all has been accomplished in Oklahoma City and, and building up Oklahoma City to this point. And it's still growing. It's still becoming a top 25 city in America. And for Desmond Bain to talk about loving the city, even if it was just a, a flippant comment, it does mean a lot to those of us who are who are truly from here and understanding what all this city has been through and, and transitioned through and is now some now somewhat of a destination. Of course, it's no New York, it's no LA, but it still is no longer a afterthought as a city. There are legitimate things to do in Oklahoma City. There's a legitimate night light nightlife for Oklahoma City. And it's getting people talking about Oklahoma City, even Desmond Bain out of TCU from Indiana. He has interviewed with 26 teams. He says that he has studied Joe Harris as an NBA you know comparison. And it's not really what you hear a lot of the times. You don't really hear about guys studying players of the caliber of Joe Harris. And what I found interesting was that he also said the Raptors play style fits his DNA. And we all asked him about the teams that we cover. I asked him about Oklahoma City. Other guys asked him about Toronto and about Brooklyn and about New York. It's just the nature of the beast with the NBA prospects. Every single team that Bain was was asked about, he knew, for a matter of fact, how they played, what style that they played, what all went into to their culture, what all they went into, how he would fit there, and he was able to go in detail. It was not a blanket, I fit great everywhere, or... I cannot wait to get to work with that good young team. Or it wasn't whenever Denny was asked about the Knicks saying they're a basketball organization. It was none of that. He he truly understood the schematics and he truly understood what would be expected of a player of his caliber and of his skill set in an offense or a defense or a team like Toronto or Oklahoma City or Brooklyn. And it was just refreshing to, to hear he basically knows every single NBA team, and that's what you expect from a four-year guy from college. He has a high basketball IQ, and hearing him break down some of those scenarios that, that we threw at him reminded me a lot of Steven Adams, who is just phenomenal. If you get him talking about basketball, 
It is phenomenal whenever he starts breaking down the X's and O's. And I think that whoever drafts Desmond Bain, their media members are going to feel the same way about him. They're going to ask him about some play in the third quarter, and he'll be able to di diagnose it right to you and give you some great content from that. And so it was just impressive to me that he kind of already knew about every single team that was thrown at him. But he did meet with Oklahoma City Thunder, and that did happen while Donovan was still the head coach, just so you all know. And I did get some questions on Twitter about, you know, was this, was this weird or what happened? How is Donovan still involved? Donovan is not still involved. These prospects are meeting with the media for the first time, meeting with us for the first time. However, teams could start talking to the prospects back in April, and now they can start, you know, reintroducing themselves and reacquainting themselves with the prospects starting this week. So back in April is whenever Desmond Bain was talking to the Thunder. Theo Madden, for example, were not talked to the Thunder until Friday. So back in April, of course, Donovan was still involved with that meeting. Donovan was also in on the RJ Hampton meeting and other players that we've talked about on this week's podcast. But that was just an interesting note that they have not talked to Bain since Donovan was no longer the head coach. But I was really impressed with Desmond Bain, and he is someone who I think is a second-round talent, honestly. But for a team like the Thunder, I think that you should spend your second-round pick or your player like Desmond Bain. And Desmond Bain, who can be a sharpshooter, would be someone I would look at in the second round for Oklahoma City because you have 14 future first-round picks and you're going to be tanking. You already have Shea, Baisley, and Dort. You're going to want to spin this draft class, in my opinion, on guys who you think that who you think can contribute in the NBA right away, not because you want to win, but because you do not want them to get lost in the shuffle. You don't want to spend a, a flyer pick or a pick on a flyer guy who may or may not pan out in a year or two, and then he doesn't pan out and gets lost behind Cade Cunningham, gets lost behind whomever that you draft in the next few years here. Whereas next year, they're going to have the opportunity to play in the NBA right away as this team rebuilds and tanks that Desmond Bain could prove, look, I have I have some NBA talent here. You should keep me around after this rebuild process is over. Of course, the Thunder will not go into it with the mindset of drafting someone that they do not view could have that potential. But I do think a four-year guy could be the way to go in the second round. We'll see what the Thunder do from that standpoint. But I do like Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain as a prospect, not at pick 25, but in that second round. He is a really talented guy from TCU. And then we talked to Theo Maladon, who told me that the Thunder will talk to him on a Friday. He says that he loves the culture in Oklahoma City, and he thinks he'd be a great fit in Oklahoma City. He added that Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are two guards who he looks to model their game after. He mentioned Chris Paul. He views... Uh, and tries to model the way that Chris Paul runs the pick and roll. And then he looks at Russell Westbrook and tries to model the way Russell Westbrook runs in transition. So that's kind of where you're at with the Thunder. He's going to meet with them Friday. He loves the organization. He thinks he's a great fit. And then he also looks up to two of the best Thunder players in Thunder history. And so he also says that there's a chip on his shoulder for people mocking him outside the lottery. Because at one point, Theo was a lottery pick. And now he's outside the lottery. And he also thinks that the Euro League is a lot harder than the NCAA. So take that however you will. Let me know what you guys think is a, is a more difficult pathway. The Euro League or NCAA at Rylan underscore Styles. We also talked to Denny, but his interview you can go find on my Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. I've threaded all of, his, all of his answers. He didn't talk to any teams, so obviously not talked to the Thunder. And so there's nothing really to, to pontificate on about Denny from a Thunder standpoint. But I do think he's a really good prospect, and I enjoy talking with him. But that is really all there is to say about that. And then on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk more about this NBA draft class and start kind of outlining guys that I like, guys I don't like, and where I kind of start slotting these guys in. Monday, we're going to do my first ever mock draft on this podcast, my mock draft for 2020. 
edition number one. And eventually the Thunder have to hire a coach. So eventually we'll be talking about that as well. Tomorrow's show, you can also hear my thoughts on Doc Rivers possibly joining the 76ers. And if Jason Kidd could be the next head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. But until then, be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.